Every business is unique. But the ups and downs we experience as we launch and run our businesses are pretty similar. We're Harmon Brothers, the team behind Pooping Unicorns and other weird but successful video ads you've probably seen. We help businesses grow through unforgettable video marketing, and we're no stranger to tricky situations. In fact, we embrace them. The goal of this podcast is to show how your crappy circumstances could be the golden opportunity that leads to your next success. You're listening to Poop to Gold. Welcome back to From Poop to Gold. I'm Benton Crane, your co-host and the CEO of Harmon Brothers. Today on the show, I am joined by Cassandra Shuck. Welcome to the show, Cassandra. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get started, Cassandra. Tell us about your business. Yeah, so I actually have multiple businesses. Okay. I'm a serial entrepreneur and business investor. And kind of the thing that I most most primarily focus on is actually investing in small business owners. Okay. I have a suite of businesses from yoga studios to lactation cookie companies to marketing agencies to a little bit of everything that I actually give both money for and then actually my my advice and investments and thoughts and and kind of my business expertise. Okay. Is there a uh, is there some sort of theme or uh, maybe let's call it a why behind kind of that whole suite of businesses? 100%. So most of the businesses that I own are actually female-led and female-focused. So be at the studio that focuses on, you know, prenatal and postnatal yoga, the lactation cookie company, obviously focusing on breastfeeding moms. And then my business coaching just in general focuses really on women, but more specifically women who have had past trauma and have had something they had to overcome. Tell us about the journey that brought you to where you're at today. Specifically, what was that poop moment that that you had to overcome to get to where you're at today? Yes, totally. So I had a series of poop to gold journeys, I guess I could say. Um, I kind of grew up in a poop situation. Um, Both of my parents are severely, severely addicted to drugs, um, both really mentally unstable. And I grew up in a house just filled with abuse, filled with physical, mental, and sexual abuse, drug addiction, um, just a really, really turbulent upbringing. So that was kind of my initial poop upbringing for 15 years. Goodness. And And, and so that that started just from young childhood all the way up through your teenage years. Yeah, so my earliest memory of any sort of abuse or anything outside of the normal was when I was two years old. I actually remember my father beating up my mom. And that was kind of where, you know, as granted, I'm not going to, you know, try to give it adult ideas to a, a child concept, but I knew something wasn't right. And I knew I didn't feel safe at that young age. And then my abuse journey really with my dad actually was as my primary abuser started when I was five years old. And oh it started God. really with more physical, um, you know, being pushed, being shoved, being kicked, and then a lot of mental and then some sexual as I kind of got into my early teen years. Oh my goodness. That is a uh, um that's the stuff of nightmares that you would uh you would never wish anything like that on your worst enemy. Yeah, I know, especially a child. I think that's where looking back now and and having a child as well, I just I would do everything that I possibly could to protect her. Goodness. Okay, so that's uh that's what you grew up in. That's a that's a rough start to life. Very much so. Where did you go from there? Yeah, so I actually dropped out of high school and still don't have my high school diploma at 15. Um, Honestly, I thought it was probably safer and I would be the only way that I could actually feasibly survive. 
um, as the abuse was getting more and more, more worse as I was aging. Cause I was starting to push back. I was starting to kind of question authority being that kind of rebellious teenager. Um, mm-hmm. that really where, where that was really where things started to amping up. So I dropped out of high school at 15 and actually tested into and did my SAT test. It was through an advisor in school who said, maybe you should just take the test and see what happens. And I ended up getting a perfect score and applying to six colleges and getting accepted to four of them at 16 years old. You got a perfect score on the SAT at 15 years old? I did, yes. <laughs> Holy smokes. Yes. Yeah, so, so I was like a C-minus student because I had other things to focus on at the ho- at really in home. Uh-huh. I ended up getting a perfect score and then getting accepted to four of the six colleges that I had applied for. Wow. You, uh, you are very gifted. When I apply myself and when I don't have really those external circumstances of home life, that was really, really what was drawing my attention away is just the basic survival skills, not really, you know, focusing on academics. Okay. So where did you go from there? Yeah. So I actually started college when I was 16 years old, uh, got my bachelor's degree by 19 and got my master's degree by 21. Wow. And followed the kind of path of looking for love and affirmation from my parents. So I got the business degree. I went and started the, joined the company that they would be most proud of and that they would like idolized and kind of worked my way up in the corporate ranks um, for the first eight years. When you started college, did you leave home? I did, yes. I completely moved out and never, never moved back in, never really stepped foot back inside that house. So the abuse stopped at that point then? The abuse stopped from my father. I really haven't had a much com- or really any conversation except one meeting in the past 20 years with him. Um, I still didn't understand the relationship between my mother and her just being very passive and not actually intervening with all of the abuse that I received from my dad. So I tried to maintain a relationship with her up until about five years. All right, so you start your career, you're doing corporate America. You mentioned you were trying to take this path that would make your parents proud. Um, that. Yeah. Uh, talk to me about the dynamic there because it seems like you you had kind of already walked away from uh, from that but it sounds like there's still some sort of ties of you wanting to make them proud yeah there was still some sort of residual just trauma in general and some sort of love and affirmation that I didn't get as a child that I thought maybe if I kind of succeeded in their eyes I could feasibly get like you know a gold store star or a pat on the back or you know what you lived through was was hard and we apologize but you you know you've made something out of yourself so i was really looking for kind of i like to say affirmation in the wrong place um because i was like i'll do the thing that you know looks successful on paper you know has the 401k has the company car has all of those standard checks and balances in order for you know someone to say cassandra you did a great job or like look what you've overcome and how did that work out? Didn't work out that well. <laughs> um, I am do not fit in the corporate structure. So I would be in a position for about 90 days and I would kind of get the itch to do something else or, you know, basically reorgan- reorganize the entire marketing department or do another launch or I needed something new, something innovative, something exciting. And it wasn't until about seven years in, I actually started questioning why that was happening. Because as I kind of looked around me, people were okay with kind of status quo. They were okay with following the path that was laid out for them. And I was always the challenger. And I was like, "Mm, maybe I don't fit in this spot. So I kind of had a a little side hustle on the side of a marketing agency. I was a yoga teacher, which was part of really my spiritual journey of coming back to self. And I started Mm -hmm. a marketing agency based solely on yoga studios but was very quick to realize there's not a whole lot of money in marketing for yoga studios. Okay, so not a lot of money, but you probably gained a lot of experience. You probably learned a ton about yourself. 
and where did it go from there? Yeah, so from marketing for particularly yoga studios, it then kind of spiraled into health conscious entrepreneurs as I kind of delved further deeper into my personal development. Mm-hmm. So it looked like, you know, my girlfriend's a naturopath or this person, you know, does Reiki or is an energy healer or whatever the case may be. And then that really spiraled into my marketing agency being for all female focused and centered businesses and really growing that, that marketing agency out. Um, It was wonderful for the first six years until someone looked at me and goes, you realize that when someone buys a website, you're not supposed to talk to them about product suites and ROI and their banking and how they file taxes and S corps versus like, they're like, that's a little bit out of scope. And I didn't realize what I was doing was actually partially business coaching through the lens of, of building a website or a logo or a branding package. Oh, I see. So they thought they were just coming to you for marketing help, but then you provided a much larger suite of, uh, of guidance, if, if you will, to help them through more general business consulting. Exactly. And that's really where the birth of my consulting and the birth of my strategy and my coaching and really my business investing got started. You call yourself a trauma-informed business coach. What does that mean? Yeah, so a lot of times when you kind of go through the business journey, you'll realize that a lot of your personal development directly mirrors your business success. So what I realized is that a lot of the stuff that we hold on as trauma, be it, you know, the big T, the physical, mental, the sexual abuse, or the little T of just not getting picked first for a, you know, a kickball team or being made fun Mm -hmm. of or whatever the case may be. That is actually comes and birth gets birthed as a, and an imprint as a limiting belief in the business development space. Got it. So in this in the same way, we did a campaign for Covenant Eyes, um, which is a software for um, people who are trying to kick a pornography habit, and mm-hmm. um, and so in working with them, um, I got to know that space and that industry and that that market a lot, and um, and we found that um, in the case of any type of addiction, be it drugs, be it uh, pornography, be it eating, shopping, whatever, when there's an addiction, generally it's some sort of coping behavior to try to mask or numb away some more underlying pain. Um, and, And it almost sounds like what you're describing is that in the same way that, um, that an addiction is just an outward expression of you know, trying to cope with the, this pain, it, it sounds like you're saying that there are these underlying limiting beliefs that keep us from becoming who we want to become or keep our business from excelling in the way that we want to excel because of these underlying um, pains, traumas, wh- whatever they are. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's 100% accurate. And like, I'll give you an example. So I have a client who grew up in an entrepreneurial family and she was kind of, that's what she was taught was, was, you know, what was acceptable and that's what you, the path you followed. And her dad's businesses, when it got to a certain point was actually taken away from him by the government um, due to regulations of the industry that he was in. Just, she literally watched his identity become crushed. So when Mm -hmm. we started talking and diving into her business and why she couldn't get it past a certain mark, we realized that she was worried that if her business got to a certain level and got the visibility and clarity, her business would be taken away from her. So she was basically keeping herself stuck, not taking bigger contracts, not asking for more money, not putting herself out there, not publishing her work because she was trapped in that identity. And that was because of that trauma that she experienced when her dad went through what he went through. Exactly. And that gener- I mean, that's a very specific case of general generational trauma. 
but there's also the specific cases of something that happens to you. So I had issues where I couldn't get past a certain monetary figure because I wasn't comfortable with hiring and trusting people. Mm -hmm. That was a, a major piece of my realization of like, oh, I actually have to kind of release this perfectionism. I have to release this white knuckle grip of not letting anyone see into my business or have any sort of control or say or talk to clients. Um, was really one of my belief core values and core beliefs that I had to get past. Gotcha. That's incredibly fascinating. I, I'm curious to know um, what is the dynamic like when you're trying to help an entrepreneur um, succeed in their business? They're down in the weeds of working through trauma. Can that process of working through the trauma uh, get to the point where it's kind of all-consuming for a time? And and if so. How, how do you kind of help them balance between, you know, staying focused on the business, keeping the business succeeding while they're dealing with these traumatic things? Yeah. So for me, it's actually a lot faster than what one would assume it would be. Um, most of the time when we identify what's holding us back, it's actually a lot faster to clear it through. So, so most of the time it's the actually identifying of, of what the thing actually is. Because there's a lot of times we actually consciously don't know and can't put a, a direct label on it. Um, my whole goal is for you to not necessarily dissolve it completely because I personally don't believe that you can dissolve trauma hundred percent, but I want you to figure out how to leverage it. So for her, that particular client, we were able to reframe that and say, okay, cool. I got to see a business in its success and in its fullest and, you know, him live out his passion and his identity. What can I take from that? That'll actually help me carry out mine. I'll just do it a little bit differently, but like, where can I mm -hmm. use that, some of that experience and really leverage it in my business? You've been at this for a few years now. If you could go back to day one, what are the three things you wish you would have known on day one? I think for me, one of the most important things would to be not be afraid to go all in. I was very conscious in dipping the toe in and kind of testing the waters and really for me seeing if it was safe before I actually kind of followed you know, what I thought I should be doing or my intuition as to, as to, you know, how I should grow my business. So really just kind of jumping in with both feet from, from day one would have definitely kind of pushed me forward a little bit more. Um, and that kind of spirals into, you know, the decisions that I made, the investments that I took, the people that I hired really all across, uh, across the board. Um, one of the other things I would have done was probably hire the, the professional team faster. <laughs> So okay. the accountant, the lawyer, the, um, you know, the people that really can have your back in a, a sticky business situation, especially, you know, as a, as a business investor, I think I would have probably not been as cheap as it relates to that. Yeah. As, as young entrepreneurs, we always try to save money in the areas of, you know, accountants and attorneys and, <laughs> and stuff like that. And it ends up being things that just suck our time and focus, you know, or suck your money anyway. <laughs> That's right. So I would have definitely swapped that. And then honestly, I think I probably would have uh, maybe left the corporate industry a little bit quicker. Um, I think I was trying to wait for, you know, the ideal sign or the ideal time. And I don't really think similar to if you've ever had kids, there's not really an ideal time to start a business. There's not really an ideal time to have a baby. That's right. Kind of diving in and seeing what happens. What does your perfect client look like? Ooh, so my perfect client generally has done a, a series of work as it relates to spiritual and personal development and then has a desire to grow their business and has tried kind of all of the standard things. So they may have tried the e-courses and they may have tried the templates for, that, you know, you're supposed to just plug and play and drop into your business and they don't understand why things aren't working. 
um, because they really haven't started combining and intertwining who they truly are at their core with their business. What are your tips for entrepreneurs who, uh, who are experiencing their own dark moments? They're going through their own poop journey right now. Uh, what's your advice for them? Yeah, so I like saying to zoom out and look at the 30,000 foot view and figure out and kind of peel back the layers of what you can leverage. Because there's a lot of parts in your story that you may think you're the only one, you may think you're completely alone and it's something that is you know, fairly negative in your eyes, but it may be just the inspiration for, for someone else or you're kind of their ideal client. Cassandra, it has been such a pleasure getting to know you. I'm so glad that you came on the show today. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and your, uh, your story with us. It's, uh, it's a very touching story and very inspirational too. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Benton. Where can our listeners stay in touch with you? Yeah, you can find me on CassandraShuck.com and I'm sure it'll be linked in the show notes and it has kind of my all things internet hub. I have a podcast based on people that um, had trauma stacked against them when they started their business and how they overcame that. And I have different programs and different freebies and, and things on there as well. For our listeners, if you heard anything from Cassandra that, uh, that touched you or, or struck a chord with you, make sure to follow Cassandra, uh, reach out, learn more about her. And for any of you who are interested to know more about Harmon Brothers and what we do, of course, check out HarmonBrothers.com. And otherwise, make sure to like, share, and subscribe. We'll see you on the next episode. At Harmon Brothers, we're known for what we call our hero campaigns. These are big nationwide campaigns for brands like Squatty Potty, Poopery, Purple Mattresses, Lumi Deodorant, and many others. What makes these campaigns special is that they've helped scale those businesses by tens of millions of dollars each. Now, companies reach out to us on a regular basis wanting a hero campaign. They want that type of growth, they want that type of branding, and they want that type of awareness. But the simple reality is, most businesses and entrepreneurs aren't yet quite ready for that level of growth. So we've built what we call a hero incubator that is designed to help entrepreneurs and companies prepare for a hero campaign and to be ready for the type of growth that they're looking for. The hero incubator starts with a marketing audit. We offer these marketing audits for free and you can apply for one at harmanbrothers.com forward slash audit.